0: Hi everyone and welcome back to Class In Session. My name is Kemi.
1: My name is Bianca.
2: And I'm Ezekiel. My name is James.
0: And we're going to be talking about our three-part series on behaviour, um, what are people's thoughts on it, and also how it links to the current situation that we're in with COVID-19. So guys, how's everyone holding up in general in terms of the lockdown? Like, James, want to go first?
2: Yeah. Uh... I'm just about coping, you know, just about managing. Um, do you know what? I think um, I'm, I've been very disciplined following the guidelines. Um, you know, I'll go out for my morning run. I did, I, did, I did a 3K run today, so I was proud of that. Um, Good. That's great. Did my run. I come in. Um, what do I do? I, I do a lot of reading. Um I do a re- I do my research. Um and when I mean research I mean I do research on um uh, biomechanics and things like that. Um and also yeah, just you know try to try to maintain my sanity because being in a house, I'm not a homebody, I don't like staying in a house. So trying to like remain at home, a lot of Netflix. Um yeah, really, that's, that's that's what I've been doing.
0: Okay. How that's about you, fantastic.
1: Bianca? Um, Mine's been good. I've I'm been uh, improving my cooking skills. I've been creating different dishes, uh, spending more time with family, um, getting on with my master's work, more reading and more Netflix. Uh, the Netflix series have been really interesting. Um, if anyone hasn't watched it yet, I encourage you to watch Caliphate. I think that's what it's called, or Caliphate. Has anyone seen it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that.
1: It's like 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. You need to watch it.
0: Um,
1: so that's been good. Uh, the Tiger King documentary has been a very interesting one as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I've been enjoying it. I've been trying to make the most of my free time before we start back working online again. And um, I just yeah. think I've enjoyed it. What okay. About what about you, Zeke?
3: Um, for me, it's been, um, it's been up and down. Um, I think similar to James. Um, it's more, I've been following the guidelines, really. Um, I've been staying inside. Um, but also, I think because I was kind of going nonstop stop before, because um, I was tutoring like five times a week, um, as well as teaching as well, um, I think the lockdown kind of gave me like a chance to really like recharge my batteries um, and like actually sleep properly for once. Um, because that was an issue before. Like I was sleeping a couple of hours, get back to it um so yeah i think the only difficulty that i found is um whilst trying to like house hunt um plan a wedding that's been really difficult so that's the main parts
0: okay fair enough i think for me similar to bianca getting on with like my senko stuff and trying to get this essay sorry this action research project done um watching a lot of shows, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of writing, preparing for my TED Talk, and, yeah, think, coming up with new and different ideas that I would like to roll out with YBTN once this lockdown is over, and even thinking about rebranding. So, yeah.
1: Okay. That's,
2: that's, that's what's up. Sounds exciting, yeah.
1: Yeah. Look forward to your TED Talk. Oh, thanks, girl. It's okay. I'm going to be watching. I'm a bit nervous. Don't be. You'll be fine. Bye. Yeah, thank yes, you I
0: appreciate it discussion so we're going to be talking about um like I said previously just we did a three-part series on behavior we looked at how um how behavior is in classrooms from our all from all of our perspectives as teachers we looked at how maybe our behavior was in school from how it is now that we see how we see the students behave we also spoke with Zara about exclusion rates of pupils as well mm-hmm. and do we think behavior is getting worse so just based on everything we spoke about in the three-part series on behaviour on our podcast before, I just want to get your your views and your opinions and, like, just a few words. What do you guys think on the whole... Maybe on the whole series or just on what you've noticed about the behaviour of children in your particular schools?
2: Uh, Feel free to
0: jump in, anyone.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, yeah, obviously... Um, you know what in a school like ours um based on the fact that we we have a a cosmopolitan um school um and in terms of we have different ethnicities in our school people come from different backgrounds and those backgrounds play a very important part in how behavior is shaped or how um kids demonstrate behavior in in our school now it is for me i feel like the way behavior is presented in our school is due to the fact that the system in our school is um, i would say questionable and i say questionable because um, i don't think the system actually manages the behavior or i don't think the behavior is being uh, is reducing and kids are learning from their mistakes and I i give you an example. If a, for example, if a student is poorly behaving in lesson, they get on called, and that on call means that means um SOT will have to remove them, they get put into uh they call it isolation room, they are spoken to, decision is made, and then they get put into reflection or detention, whatever the case may be, right? Now the kid that has that behavior problem has not learned anything from that sanction they've just been told what is going to happen to that kid you 're going to detention or you 're going to go in reflection, which is basically the whole day in one room with other students until four thirty after school that 's it. so what has that kid actually learned from that sanction? absolutely zero and it 's funny because that same kid right if you if I, when I did my um when I did my stat and I was looking at it on a spreadsheet, it was the same offenders, repeated offenders doing the same thing, and I just think, well, they haven't learned from that last behaviour issue they had in the first place because there's no, there's no restorative conversation about it. There's no, you know, this is why this is why you've been put into detention. Do you know what I mean? So, I just think the the system that we have in our school. It's not really helping the kids to, I uh, a manage their behaviour and B, eradicate it totally. Oh. So um, yeah, I, I I just I think that if we if the school can you know get to grips with that side of things, I think behaviour will improve. It won't it won't like stop kids misbehaving, but it will improve. I, I feel.
3: So yeah.
0: Okay. How about you, Zeke? What do you feel?
3: Um, for me, I think, um, behavior in my school in particular, I think has been, um, it's been up and down, I think. And I think the podcasts that we've done are the three series really made me reflect on, um, the way that kids not only behave, but the way I perceive their behavior. Um, because it's really easy to kind of, look at a child. And even though you've got all like, sometimes you've got a lot of information on them. Sometimes that can feel like an information overload. Um, Sometimes you have very minimal information. Um, And there's a lot of different motivating factors that determine their behavior. Um, Some behavior is predetermined as in, they kind of know what they're doing and why they're doing it. um, And some isn't. And I think just like James said, um, it's, giving children the opportunity for you to engage in dialogue with them about their behavior, about their choices, um, rather than kind of just dismissing their choices as well. They made that choice. They're a bad child. And I'm going to move on to the next child. Um, And I think particularly when we had the um, episode of Zara about kind of exclusion rates, um, I kind of discussed with her as well about classes that I've taught and have and currently am teaching um, and issues that have kind of been raised and flagged up there and it typically has been around kind of um, ethnic minority boys that I've been teaching and I've had conversations with them about their behavior um, and about me talking to them not just as their teacher but as another black male Um, and it didn't necessarily transform and change their behavior but at least the way they engaged with me about their behavior became different um in a positive way. So I think it's it's again engaging in them with dialogue. And a lot of the times we summarily dismiss their behaviour, like I said, and we just want to kind of push on with our curriculum. But if we don't engage with that behaviour, how will they learn? So that's kind of my feedback and and intake, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I agree with Thanks you.
1: That. That. Yeah. How about you, Bianca? I agree entirely with what zeke said i think it's about rationalizing explaining what they've done wrong so they can make wiser choices next time because if you're just sanctioning it without them understanding why that wasn't the best choice to make then they're going to keep making the same decisions time and time again because they don't understand how others might have been affected by their actions or unless it's explained to them and quite often that dialogue is missing from the whole situation so
0: yeah i agree okay well, you, i think, you think sorry
1: What about
0: you? What do you think about it? Um, What stood out to me the most during the three-part series was the episode we did with Zara. She made a point about, because obviously I work in the Peru and I'm a SENCO, so I work particularly with like SEMH and special educational needs and, you know, all these other acronyms and stuff. Then she she spoke about ESN, the Educationally Subnormal, and how that is now SEN, special educational needs. And that struck a chord with me because I was just like, how can you classify somebody's child as educationally subnormal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of these children, like she said back in, like when that, when that term was used, they are black kids. Most of those kids were black kids, just how we are seeing it now, that most of the kids that get kicked out of school, well, four, well black kids are four times more likely to get kicked out of school than their white counterparts. Mm-hmm. How can you call somebody's child educationally subnormal. Like I don't understand how the education system got away with that for so many years.
1: I think it depends on who makes mm. up the educational institution. Because it was predominantly why, I guess they were able to get away with more than they do now where we are more diverse and a bit more represented than we used to be. Yeah, because I would have definitely been fighting someone if you had a child and
3: And probably we're more focused as well on like political correctness too. Yeah. Uh, yeah which is... Yeah, I think think it's the
2: terminology that's been used because if we were to say, okay, SEN kids, right, wouldn't they not not fall under the subnormal category now?
0: No, I don't agree with that. For the simple fact that the child having a a specific... A Child having a specific educational need or, or a special educational need does not make them mm. subnormal, yeah. Yeah, you can even autistic kids they can fall anywhere on the spectrum. I've taught some of the smartest kids that are autistic, they're yeah. not subnormal,
1: so I don't agree with I that. Think what I'm is normal? There's, there's no such thing as normal yeah. to be able to decide what's normal, what's abnormal, or subnormal.
0: But then for you to say that someone is subnormal, you're, you're mm. implying that they are less than,
1: yeah.
0: And I'm saying yeah. this for the simple fact that even Back in the day, they would say black people were subnormal, that we only had a third of a brain.
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm coming okay, from that so, aspect.
2: Yeah. And I agree with you. But, you know, I find uh, in, in a lot of schools, right, that some that a lot of parents are very upset that their kids are labelled an SEM student or are put in the SEM category. And when I speak to parents, the reason they say that is because... They feel like if their pet, their kids are put in that SCN category, their kids, their kids are underachievers or are not normal. They feel like their kids are, you know, um, maybe are not capable of achieving like normal, normal kids would achieve. Now, the reason why I ask that question is because when, when, like, do you feel then that kids who are in that category and parents who you know, have kids who are in that category. Do you think there is a negative stigma on SEM kids?
0: 100%.
3: Yeah, I agree with
0: that. 100%. There's definitely a negative stigma to attached to special educational needs. However, this is where people really need to understand that it doesn't make the child less than, or subnormal, or yeah. whatever. The way they process yeah. information, is different. That's
2: what I, I mean. have some of the, the yeah.
0: smartest I have taught some of the smartest children, like, t- even to the point I'm just like, well, damn, how did you know that? But if they, if other people come across them, they'll be like, oh, that child is weird, that child is different, that, that child is, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? There's a negative connotation yeah. there. However, from working with them, I just know their thought process is different. So how they perceive things, how they work things out is just different. But then, yeah, we have mm. put those labels on and there's a negative stigma attached to S-E-N, which now, basically what they're trying to do is that, Anyone who's got a behavioural issue, a
1: behavioural issue, sorry, let's just mm. label them as SEN.
0: Basically. As you said, they
1: yeah. do quite a lot improve as well, don't they? Yeah. So they're automatically on the SEN register.
0: Oh, no, 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 sorry, <laughs> not automatically. So I have students who, I have loads of students who are not on the SEN register. Okay. But I do know that there are a lot of students who, if we label them as SEN, and we can get them a plan, then they can kind of quickly move on. I have seen that as well
3: as in move on, as in get, be getting rid of?
0: No, be put into another school. So they could yes. be put yes. back into mean. the mainstream school.
3: Okay. Because obviously a crew is meant
0: to just be like a short-term type of thing. They're not meant to be with us long-term.
3: Yeah.
0: So we want to get them back into mainstream school, which is more representative of society that we live in, and mm-hmm. to get them the right support when they're in lessons so someone can break things down for them in a certain way or encourage them or keep them motivated when the class teacher has to focus on the other 30 kids in the class.
2: Okay.
3: okay. I think I mean, I Sorry, go on I mean, like like you were saying um, the things that really kind of stood out for me as being um, problematic um, or, I, I, let me say the episode that gave me the most food for thought immediately was the second episode um, just we because started um yeah with Zara and it it was the the conversation that I engaged with her um I think it was like maybe towards the beginning or midway through the podcast um and we were going kind of back and forth on a I remember that yeah (laughs) the way that um like kids needed to be motivated and have like like see education as something purposeful and she was arguing that um the way that education is kind of relayed to students now is outdated. And the way that they're like, we only, I only kind of have that perception of education because of the way I was raised, but the, and the things I was exposed to, but the kids maybe nowadays have a complexity of things that they're exposed to the complexity of things mm-hmm. that influence their behavior um, and the way that they see education isn't kind of a means, isn't like a be all and end all. Um, and isn't necessarily a means to an end. They have other means to get to their ends, um, which is kind of what she was um, saying. Um, And again, that made me kind of go back and think the way that I'm kind of pitching my lessons maybe to some of my students is making like, they, they, they may come into my lesson already feeling like, oh, English isn't a place that I need to be in. English isn't something that I'm gonna need for like wherever I wanna go. And then that may kind of influence whether they're acting out. But rather than trying to understand that behaviour and kind of adapt to it, again, because of the pressures that we might find in our schools, we feel like we have to kind of maybe press on a little bit more and kind of reprimand those kids in a way that's not necessarily displaying the level of patience that they maybe need in that particular time. So I think that was the thing that really kind of opened up my eyes to kind of maybe the way that I've been teaching and the way that maybe I can adapt to them a little bit more.
0: I really agree with what you just said, because I think sometimes Mm. we I know a lot of schools are trying to say we need, um, you know, to have a more diverse and engaging curriculum. But what does that actually mean? Because if we have a diverse and engaging curriculum, what some people are saying is that that would kind of maybe um, eliminate bad behavior. And I use like air quotation marks when I say bad behavior, because obviously behavior has a root cause. So they're saying Mm. that if we have a rich and diverse curriculum, we can eliminate that bad behaviour. But what does a rich and diverse curriculum look like? Like you said, Zeke, because of Zara's point of saying um, the curriculum is outdated.
3: Mm. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'll let you go, James. Yeah,
2: I, I mean, what does it look like? I think... I don't I don't I don't know. I think I think I don't think it would improve behaviour. I disagree with that. I don't think it would imp- improve behaviour at all. But why not? You know, having a, because kids now are not even looking at the educational system as a way out. Oh sorry, they're not looking at the education system as um a way to be successful. Like what kids are taught now in society or in social media are that you don't have to go to school to be successful. So having a diverse curriculum really is not gonna it's not gonna change the narrative, really. Or well, could uh, it be used?
3: Sorry, let
0: Kevin go, on. On.
2: go
0: on. But how about if the things were offered in the curriculum that actually interest the children? So for example, you want like we don't mm. we don't really teach them how to be entrepreneurs, but some of them are learning it off of social media. We don't yeah. really teach them mm. what it means to trade, but people are like, oh, I want mm. to invest in stocks and shares and you wanna trade. So if we're offering mm. these things to kids in schools like Mm. how about is that not adding to like a rich and diverse curriculum if we're offering them how to be a videographer or how because a lot Mm. of these kids are doing youtube how can you make your you know your engagement better and stuff like that i know they can learn these things off social media but if the school is providing it in a way that we have specialists and professionals coming to deliver these things to them and they know okay Mm. i can learn this and apply it to what i'm doing outside there's other Mm. ways they're still
1: getting an education it's just not in the yeah, it I
0: do. Okay,
2: so,
1: I think the education system is so yeah. outdated on traditional jobs that we haven't quite made the shift from preparing them for future jobs that haven't yet existed yet. So, even things like trading, now that people are doing more so off, YouTubing, uh, being a YouTuber, there's so much jobs out there that didn't quite exist until recently. And if you look at the curriculum, to what extent does it actually link to those jobs that are out there now? Yeah,
2: exactly. A yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 just, I don't, I just don't see, I just don't see that being a big enough influence for for kids, for students to say, all right, I'm gonna go into school and because like you can, you, it's the thing with kids is yeah, they don't like to feel boxed in or they they don't like to feel like, okay, I'm gonna learn how to use the camera for five years in school, two years in college, another three or four years in university. What's that, nine, 10 years or whatever whatever in education, when I can go on YouTube, learn it in a month, maybe less than a month, make thousands of, thousands of pounds, mm-hmm. why would I then go and do the whole eight, nine years in education?
3: There's the issue the I time think- that is required? Is that the issue?
2: Yeah, I think timing is definitely an issue. I think that's a factor. I think that's a big factor and also the fact that you will still have teachers that wouldn't engage with the students as well and what I mean by (laughs) that is there are some teachers who I don't think so are passionate enough to you know show I I don't think teachers some teachers are passionate enough to actually get their point across about that subject for example
0: sorry yeah go go no go ahead go ahead that you said um, James you said that yeah. the time, the whole time thing is a factor. You, you basically like put like nine years out there in terms of them learning how to use a camera. But we know that yeah. um, college, University are optional. We want them okay. to go into yeah, higher yeah, yeah. education, that's optional. But I mean, like, yeah. compulsory education from year 7 to year 11, if there mm. are things put in place that will actually mm. interest students and keep them mm. engaged with things that they actually want to do that they can follow up on when they leave compulsory education... Would that, mm. you honestly do not believe that would reduce the, like I said, quotation marks, the bad behaviour that some no, students would I
2: don't, I don't think, I don't think it would. Gary Vee said something the other day, yeah? Who's Gary I Vee? Remember. Uh, Gary V is this, um, is this motivational speaker, right? He's a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, has a lot of followers, right? Okay. Very successful person, right? Do you know who, uh, you know those guys, like, I can't give you this, Tony Robbins, you know who that is? No. So I've
1: heard of him. Okay. Yeah. No um, worries, keep
2: okay. going. <laughs> but so basically, uh, he said that, and he's got a lot of kids that watch his stuff, he said that, why would you, why would kids need to go, why don't they need to go to school when you when school is a. Is a prehistoric? What did you use the prehis? A prehistoric, outdated system that you could learn for free on the internet. The internet. You said the internet is the biggest educational system killer mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. can learn everything on the internet, mm-hmm. right? Now you can say you can. One can argue that ed- the educational system is a more structured way of learning, or it's a more sort of it's a direct path of Knowing your craft or or being an expert in your craft. That is a, an argument that I can say that's fair. But in terms of having a knowledge or going out there and using that, acquiring it, and then applying that knowledge, you don't need the, you, one can say they don't need the educational system. Now, do I agree with that? No, I would still send my kid to school because, but then okay, you know what? Let me stop there. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you guys a question here. Yeah? With all the knowledge that's out there and the accessibility that is we that kids can get, right? Yeah. If you had a kid today, with everything that's out there, would you send your kids, would you still say to your kids, go to school? And why? Why would you still no, say we'll to to
1: school? To school? Absolutely. Social <laughs> skills.
3: I'll send them to school.
1: <laughs> the so, they ain't
0: got no choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I mean why? social skills, being with being respectful, being polite. Um, those are just uh, to name a few of the skills that you learn whilst being in the school environment, and I don't think that that can be taught over the internet.
2: Yeah. So you don't you don't think learning the basics of being polite, being well mannered, can be learned at home? No. Of
1: course, they can. it's not being taught at home. So people at home don't even know how to do that, so they can't.
0: Do no, it. but they can be taught
2: at home. <laughs> if you don't are... think they can be taught at home?
0: No, but that's I... the thing. Hold on, wait. They can be taught at home. However. Mm-hmm if They are in a school. Do you know how many people they come into contact with of different faiths and religions and different walks mm-hmm. of life that they need to really build up those social skills mm-hmm. like for their own benefit
1: mm-hmm. to be more accepting of others and the differences that are in society? Because if you go up exactly. in a environment where you're not being exposed to that, then you're not you know, going to going to. There you go. To I'm
0: Nigerian, you
1: can't just be learning
0: things from me as an Nigerian. Stop there, stop there. You can also learn from, from the Jamaicans and the That's, you know yeah the that's,
2: and the Romanians. that's where i was going i got see that's I'm where i'm telling you
1: i'm
2: nigerian you see i wanted to stop you there because of that point you just that little quote there, yeah, i'm nigerian now
0: i'm black I only british went
2: to, okay i only went <laughs> to why did why did people go to uni right i went to uni i'm to think for myself i went to uni because i'm nigerian yes why? Am, am I wrong? That's why I went to I went to uni because one hundred percent facts. That's
1: the only reason. Facts. That's the only facts.
2: reason. That is the only reason I didn't have no interest in going to university. I went because I'm Nigerian. My mom told me you need to go to to One hundred percent
3: facts.
1: And i said what you- I learned
2: at uni. Yeah, go on.
1: And I was saying the same for Zeke because he's nodding his head.
3: Yeah, not 100%. Zeke facts. would know. Okay. Exactly.
1: Kemi,
0: what about you? Well, okay, mine's a bit different.
3: Don't lie, Kemi,
2: don't lie. I'll be
0: totally honest. Okay, obviously it's because I'm Nigerian, but sharp. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, also because, I mean, you know, my brothers went uni and they got to leave the nest and live their lives. I wanted to experience that too. So,
3: yeah. So, for the experience rather than for the actual educational part?
0: No, no, obviously the
3: education that's was important. Point. I got my
2: degree, but yeah, they both go hand in hand. But that was a, that was a secondary option, really. The oh, first whatever. option was you wanted to go out and spread your wings, basically. You wanted to fly, yeah? And that's what I mean by if you're going to the educational system, if you're taking that route, right, what is the real purpose behind it? What is the real push behind it? Is it because your parents... Like, you're saying to your kid now... Yeah, but that's that's own, not
0: compulsory education, though. Higher education is by choice. So that's the thing that the, mm. my children will have a choice. I'm telling you this now. I am not going to force my children to go to university because of how the world is changing. Yeah? That's a choice mm-hmm. of this. However, compulsory education up until the age of 16. Damn right you're going to mm. school.
3: Richard's 18, isn't it? Yeah, it's 18 now.
0: Mm. Uh, okay, even better then. You'll stay, okay, you? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay.
2: So... So then, if your kid turned around and said to you, Mum, you know, I can learn to be a constructor, uh, I can work in construction, or learn to, to be a carpenter or plumber, or whatever, right? I have my own business, right? I don't, I don't want to go to school. I've learned it all on YouTube, whatever the case may be, right? And they've got the skills to do it. Would you still force your kids into school?
0: Compulsory education. Year 7 to year 11, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
2: Like, uh, not, yeah. Yes, was well, are seven to when they are 18.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to go. Okay.
2: Now, when you're 18 and you're so, an
0: adult, they may, well, mm-hmm. technically, you're an adult by law, not in my Nigerian household. Um, then you can make your choices, but until then, son, daughter, you have to go to school. So,
2: this goes to back to my point. So, are the kids that, okay, they've been forced now. They've been forced into going into school. So, are they really happy? This is why a lot of kids come into schools, right? And are angry because mm-hmm. they're be, they're there because they don't want to be there. They've been forced to go. Do mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? So they, yeah. so now they're at a place now where they're angry at, angry at mum and dad. Mum mm-hmm. and dad don't care about their opinion or what mm-hmm. they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
2: angry at the, the, the school and its teachers because they don't want to be there. They've been taught something they don't want to know, mm-hmm. right? And three, they're probably going to be angry at people around them, right? Because they're doing something that is not, helping themselves or even helping the the community because they've been forced into doing something that they don't want to do, right? Doesn't that not, wouldn't that not play a part in your decision in making that decision that, okay, you have to go into school to, um, you know, for, you said, for basic sort of understanding, basic learning. Now, I'm just, I'm only playing devil's advocate here because it's more than likely I'm going to send my kids to school like mm-hmm. basics basic stuff it? but i just wanted to see what people are thinking i just wanted to see what how you know if the shoe was in the other foot if you were a kid now with all that's going around with the social media around the free knowledge you can get mm-hmm. imagine you being forced no you've gotta you've gotta to go to school you've just gotta do how would that you know how how, do, how does that influence you in making a decision maybe not to hang around with the wrong people or maybe bunking, truanting, because truanting is a big, big thing in schools. People don't talk about Mm -hmm. truanting. Kids are truanting. Truanting lessons or truanting going to school because they don't want to be there. So you can diversify the curriculum. Would that really change anything? I don't think it would. That's just my opinion.
0: I hear you, but I I still have to agree with that. I I mean, disagree, sorry.
1: Because if you're saying they're being forced to go, then surely... For them to be have a better school environment, then we take on board what a diverse curriculum looks like to them and why they'd want to come to school and to make that happen for them to want to be there. Because that's part of their happiness and part of that feeling of them being forced. I think that would eradicate quite a huge part of it. Yeah, there'll still be some Mm. other issues, but if you're making their time in school worthwhile and they appreciate Mm. why they need to be in school and they understand Mm. why they're in school, I think that's part of the issue. It depends how it's being sold to them, if you will, or
2: that's yeah, so mm. yeah,
1: no, what other <laughs> happy
2: to be
3: to them. Yeah, I with Michael, in terms of what she's saying, it depends on how um school is being kind of pitched to the kids.
2: Yeah,
3: um, mm-hmm. and I think if it's being pitched to in a way that's like, oh, well, you're gonna have to go no matter what, of course, no child wants to go somewhere. Like, I mean, I didn't want to have to wake up early. I didn't want to have to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to have, you're going to face that resistance. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be, I mean, it would be a perfect world if every child did exactly what they were told when they were told to do it, but you're never going to get that compliance Mm -hmm. 100% and there's going to be different reasons why. So in terms of understanding why they behave in the way that they behave, um, they may not want to go to school, like you said, James, because they have other things on their mind. They may not want to go to school simply because they just don't want to go. They just want to be at home. They want to. Stay, they they want to relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's. There's two. There's there's many folds to the argument that you're that you're relaying. I agree with you in the sense that like if I was a a kid now and I was going to school, there would be different things pulling at my attention, but mm-hmm. it would be down to my teachers, my parents, the people that are around me that are kind of adults to kind of get me to see if there is a value to education, what that value is, whether it's for me to go to university, whether it's for me to play the game and just get out and then do what I want to do. I'm still going to learn different things that may not be through textbooks that may be through conversations. It may be through a mixture of conversations, textbooks, homework, everything. And I think it's, I, I, I think school is a perfect melting pot for kids to learn and emerge as the people that or close to the people that they want to be um which is why i wouldn't not send my kids to school because i learned those things in school mm-hmm. okay. okay well said no, I, I like to, that i wanted to see just
2: wanted to see what everyone was uh, thinking that's all
0: mm-hmm. but can i just say um so so based on okay just to get a general consensus here so not everyone agrees that having a rich and diverse curriculum will eradicate bad behaviour?
3: Yeah, I don't agree. Um,
0: Okay.
1: Not going to completely eradicate it, no.
0: Okay. Cool. So, I want you guys to kind of, let's just touch on, and I really want us to focus on this specifically, how do you think behaviour is now that the students are on lockdown and they have to be with their parents 24-7, basically? How do you think that... Yeah, how do you think they're handling it right now? How do you think parents are handling it? Because I've seen it on social media. Some parents are like, I can't do this. I need to send these kids back to school or some, you know, different different things. Some people are enjoying it. Some people want to send their children back to school because they're driving them crazy. How do you think behaviour is probably now?
3: I think it's a struggle because a lot of um, parents are not necessarily used to entertaining their kids. Um, like at this length. And I'd say at this length, outside of um, like the summertime, because you know, the summertime has an end. Mm -hmm. We don't know when this is going to have an end. And that's the primary problem that um, parents don't necessarily know how to kind of maneuver the situation because they've been thrusted into the situation. And um, yeah, they've had to adapt and some are better at adapting than others because they're, you know, they're more equipped. I'm not going to say that because they're better parents that the anyone who's deciding to bring a child into the world, you know, like I'm not going to question your parent parentage because I'm not a parent yet. But um, I think the main thing, the main thing I would say is um, because they were thrust into this situation and weren't given the time to plan and maneuver. That's the reason that I think it's been difficult for many. Um, And some have just kind of come up with the plans that they would have maybe put in summertime and brought them sooner yeah uh, that would be what I'd say
1: and I think also I agree entirely with what you said and also the fact that they probably are working at home themselves so now they're having to find the balance between focusing on yeah. their work that they've been paid to do whilst also trying to entertain their children and I, I can only imagine that it must be such a struggle um have any if any you've seen um, Kim Kardashian's video clip when North keeps coming in and you can see her frustration so you can just imagine that parents are Mm. taking a lot of time to adjust to this new situation, especially Mm. without knowing when it's going to end. Mm.
0: Well, what I have to say in regards to that is, now you can't say my job is easy. (laughs) 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 No, I just, I want to be very blunt because I've heard it from people who are parents, people who aren't parents, like your job's not that difficult and you get so many holidays and da-da-da-da-da. i am just like, but now you're really feeling it because what you've only been actually homeschooling your kids for because let's just say this is actually the Easter holidays yeah fine but you've only been homeschooling your kids for about two weeks let's say Mm -hmm. and in two weeks you're finding it a struggle which I can understand for various reasons I, I get that but now you can't just say that teachers have an easy job because some people can't handle having two kids at home 24-7, yeah? But we are handling having how many children in a class, yeah. from what time to what time, for how many weeks in the year. Like, and we're dealing with so much. Each child mm. comes with their own baggage. But we have to put ours to the side and just get on with what we have to do. We have to be a mother, a coach, a mentor, um, mm. first aid, counsellor, uh, agony aunt. Um, I, I don't know. We have to be everything. Mm. So I really do hope that people who are not teachers really do appreciate what teachers bring to the table because it's not easy. And I know it's not easy for parents right now, but then it just goes to Mm. show you that our work is not just from period one to period five or six. Like our work goes beyond those times and we really have to Mm. go above and beyond for our kids.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Going on to that point, what, what are your thoughts on the speculation that, Uh, Schools will be the first to open to relax the lockdown. So, I think that what they were saying is that schools would be the first to be open to some students, and then eventually other establishments will then also slowly return back to their work. So, what do you think about schools being used as the first point of call to relax these measures?
3: I just think they they just, Hmm? I would say, what's the motivating reason? Well, they just
2: want to pass the buck.
1: No, I think what the, their rationale was that schools allow, to some extent, they have a strong impact on the economy, as we all know. And if students are back in school, that means that parents are more able to go back to work eventually and focus on their work and contribute back to the economy. And it's seen as better times are coming, if that makes sense. So they use schools as that way of showing. No, but
2: there's, there, but there's other professionals that contribute to the economy. There are. And... But, and, and I, just, I just, I just think this is, this is, this is plainly what is, what's, what's going on there is Simple, right? Parents can't stand dealing with their kids, right? They can't stand dealing with their kids. It's, it's, they them. And what they're saying is, open up the school so you can relieve us of our problems and our pain and our stress. That's why I think is going on there. I can't say you can't. People can't say, okay, one profession is more is. Is going to contribute to the the economy than the other. I think any most professional professions now, right, has a important part to play in 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 the economy. Yes, school is important, but I I think um, plumbing is important. Electricians are, I mean, are are important as well. I think there's so many professions that contribute to the economy. I just think look, the teachers have a very important job in teaching kids managing their behavior i i do think that teachers go under the radar i don't think we are as as kemi rightly said I, I think people now have to look at teachers now as as the job that we're doing is not an easy job that we're doing having to have these kids every day right multiple times um sometimes multiple, I, sometimes you have the same kids like maybe three four times a day and that kid might be off the wall and we have to teach them, we have to manage them and all of that, right? I think people need to see that, yes, teachers have a very hard job in their hands and we need to be thanked, you know, we need to be rewarded. The NHS, they clap for NHS at eight o'clock every day, <laughs> long clapping. Why don't they clap for teachers when we are dealing with some of these kids? You because I mean? the argument
0: think- is that we're not on the front line in the hospitals. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> Listen, we don't get the recognition we deserve, I feel. I, I don't think we do. So, I don't know. In my, in my opinion, I think, to, you know, we do, a, 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 you know, a hard job as it is and we, I think we should be recognised for it.
0: I, I get what you're saying. I totally hear you and I agree. I don't feel like teachers necessarily get the recognition they they should get or what they deserve. However, hopefully, well, hopefully this, Um, pandemic that we're in will open people's eyes to people like yeah teachers um, nurses and doctors and people who are really pushing and making sure that things keep going Mm -hmm. because it's not it's not easy on any of us however I mean some of the parents that I know I'm not going to say all because I don't know every parent however I know some of the parents that I know are struggling and it's like you kind of have to give them tips on what to do with their child type of thing is it, that's why you know we had that episode saying is it like is it my child or yours mm-hmm. because I feel like I'm parenting the child as well and I, I think I told you guys this before where I was in the post office and then the woman in front of me said this was before we had the lockdown she made it very clear that she is not keeping her children at home she said I can't handle them I can't deal with them they can go to school and the teachers can handle them and I was just like excuse you
1: your own kid that you gave birth to. Yeah, so that goes back to that point we mentioned earlier about teachers being seen as glorified babysitters, you know, when yeah. our role to babysit and to look after them while the parents are at work sometimes or whatnot. Um, so I think definitely a newfound respect might be placed on teachers. And obviously the NHS now as well going through everything they're going through on the front line. Uh, but I shouldn't take things like this for these type of professions to be appreciated. i think the
3: public health service generally and public and people in public service i think that needs to be under review because as as we saw like towards like the conclusion of when they decided that they were going to kind of close schools they were facing a lot of kind of um frustration from teachers from unions um from parents who just stopped sending kids to um school um and obviously there were still some that did. It was kind of like, well, the people some people that did because they needed the child care, others that were just like, you know what, like we need our kids to keep learning. And it's 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 now I think w- this being at home in this quarantine season, mm-hmm. I think what this should give the government an opportunity to do, hopefully, is take stock of like, okay, there were some professions that managed to um in a similar way offer a service at home i'm not saying that that needs to be the permanent kind of fixture for them mm-hmm. but it's looking at kind of how can we utilize some of the things that we saw at home that worked effectively and bring that maybe into businesses into like classrooms the use of technology that like we we un- we downplay how we can use technology as a tool to actually teach and use it constructively i still feel like if we come out of this and they just open schools and then they're just like well all the kids are being sent back to school and there's no plan there's no kind of outline of how that's going to work i just feel like we've learned nothing from this is what i believe
0: i agree i agree with you zeke 100 something a lesson clearly has to be learned here and i'm hoping that the lessons that are learned we can apply to The classroom, as well as the government making sure that God forbid we ever face anything like this again, Mm -hmm. but something has to be put in place beforehand before it gets too like before things get too bad.
1: Yeah, I think you can't wait until it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a lot of delay. Everything was delayed. It seemed like everything was so last minute with the decisions. Yeah, almost came across like education was an afterthought. Like even down to as I mentioned previously, letting us know that schools were going to be closed, or letting students, yeah, the school closures were announced on a Friday, weren't they? Yeah, it
3: was, it was announced, announced on a on, um, Wednesday, yeah? it was on, the, on It the was Wednesday, announced though.
1: on a Wednesday that it will be closed from Friday. So, yeah, so that was announced quite late, and then also, because obviously things needed to put, put in place before that, and I'm sure they knew, rather before the Tuesday, oh, I'm sure that they, hello? Yeah. Can you hear me? Definitely. I'm sure that they knew well before that Tuesday or the week before that they planned on closing schools so I don't know yeah, when they announced it that same week and then even down to exams being cancelled rather than telling students that straight away they should have communicated that to the head teacher and to staff first because now what you run the danger of is demotivating students from engaging in any sort of curriculum because they know they're not going to be assessed on it.
0: Basically, we're all in the same boat, which means that because even when students are asking you, what does this mean? I'm finding out the same time as you, mate. So I don't have enough of a hand in explaining things to you because I'm finding out at eight o'clock the same time you're finding out. So I agree with Bianca in terms of waffling. Yeah, he did waffle, but I do agree with Bianca in terms of like, you know, them telling head teachers and staff members at the same time as they're telling parents and students. I don't agree with that. They should have given us a heads up so we know how to deal with things accordingly mm-hmm. before we relay the message out to students. Agreed. But, you know, that's the government we voted for, isn't it? Well, I didn't vote for them, but anyway. <laughs> that's another story. Yeah. But I'm um, kind of moving on a little bit. Bianca, would you like to share with us your dilemma?
1: Yeah, so moving on to the whole online way of learning, um, they've also... Someone mentioned that their head teacher asked for the WhatsApp. So that way they can be communicated and line managed and monitored via WhatsApp. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you think that that's fair to ask of an employee to give away their WhatsApp, their personal number for work purposes? Um, would you be happy to do that? Or would you go against that? What were your thoughts?
0: Can I just quickly uh, jump I would, in and say, yeah. hell yeah, no. I saw that tweet that Bianca's talking about on Twitter and I literally said to the person remove this off from the chat and don't feel sorry for it don't feel bad about it like you don't you don't need to do that where where will we have the work-life balance where is the cutoff point so that's my views on that to be honest yeah
1: I mean I think I agree going back to keeping your work life and your personal life a bit separate I think by merging it and adding me- members of staff on WhatsApp that you're not entirely friends with outside of work I think that's a bit of an invasion of privacy. And or stop mm. them now from contacting you at all hours of the day, even after yeah. the time that your schedule, you know, your timetable to be yeah. teaching. I think you're just too accessible that way, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it personally. Yeah, I agree.
3: I yep. agree. No, it's just wrong. It's just wrong. I so, think if
0: anyone out there, if your head teacher wants to add you to a WhatsApp group for work, no, just say no. You have every right to, and you don't have to feel comfortable. Yeah, right yeah. Yeah, you
2: have every right, it's not against the law, you have every right to say no, it's an invasion of privacy. I, I, I wouldn't be happy doing that. No, it's I not
1: accessible
2: like via
1: emails anyway, you know. Say so that again, they're exactly. accessible via emails so they can still send emails to communicate with you. Yes. So no need Go. extra way of communicating via WhatsApp now because that's leading on to out of hours when people are. Can mad- you imagine? Can
0: you imagine just going to WhatsApp to check something? So it shows you're online, and then they just quickly pounce on you. Then, but well, you're not—you're not actually <laughs> yeah. on WhatsApp to do anything. You just want to quickly check something. Yeah.
2: yeah. Or even still, but so then you
0: feel like now you're obliged to reply and to sort out whatever the issue is yeah. because you're online. And even I still like that, get
2: emails off off. I still get emails um, off hours anyway. Like even during the term time, I still get emails. So it's not like people can't contact people through. The email that's the professional way of working, yeah. but to get a WhatsApp now, that is, I think that's unprofessional, and is an invasion of your privacy. And it feels like you're being clustered. It feels like you're being caged in, that like you're being watched. You know what I mean? So, as you know, Bianca, was it me that right? You said that you know you just maybe just want to go on your WhatsApp, not just to just alert, but just to maybe just check something quickly. And it says online, so then your head to t- quickly then say, oh. James is online, let me message him and let me put somewhere, do you know what I mean? I just feel... But that also
1: is, be, in the other way, where they be, see you online and they automatically think that you're slacking of work or whatever task Yeah. So I think yeah. it's another way of micromanaging. Um, as long as you're answering emails, and I don't see why they need that other additional way.
2: Simple. You know, so yeah, that's simple. I agree.
0: Yeah, you're right. I agree. Okay.
3: Simple. Well...
0: It's been great, guys. And I just want to say thank you to everyone that's listening. Um, We will be back again with another episode of Class In Session. Um, Bianca, do you want to share
1: the email if they want to send their dilemmas? Yeah, sure. If you have any dilemmas that you'd like to send our way, feel free to email ybtnclassinsessionpod at gmail.com. And we look forward to answering more of your dilemmas.
0: Yeah, we do. And just to put another disclaimer out there, for people who are listening, you may realise that the sound quality of this is very different. I should have said this at the start. However, due to the coronavirus, we cannot meet in in our usual studio and record our podcast. So we are doing this via Zoom. So please bear with us until things get back to normal and we are able to record with the quality that we're used to. Thank you. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> My name is Kevin. My <laughs> name is Bianca.
3: And I'm Ezekiel.
2: My name's James.
0: And we'll be back again soon with another episode of Class In Session.